Sometimes God calls you in a really big, perceivable way, and the change is immediate. But with Malik, God whispered. After years of searching for God, looking in Islam, fighting, rejecting, sinning, serving in jail, even following the God of self-help, Malik needed that whisper to remind him who had been at his side all along, Jesus. Welcome to Malik's 180. Malik, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Ryan. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to share God's story in my life. Amen, man. All right. Well, before we get started with your 180, I want to turn to our trusty random question generator from Chat Deck. Okay. So you ready for this? Let's do it. All right. What is the longest distance you've ever driven in a single day? That would have to be Miami, Florida, and I don't think I would do it again. It was from Georgia where I used to live. It was like over 12 hours. That's pretty long. Did you have to make a lot of stops along the way or did you pretty much just go straight? Yeah, so luckily I was doing the drive with a couple of friends. So we okay. were also one track minded. It was like, we just want to yeah. get there. We want to get to Miami. So yeah. <laughs> I think we stopped for gas for a snack and took turns yeah. driving. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, what was in Miami? Where were you going for? Just vacation. We originally wanted to go on a cruise because things just didn't really work out with the cruise. We ended up canceling that, went to Miami. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> so good. That's pretty good. All right. <laughs> Let's drive on through the story of, of Malik because it really is a road trip in itself and that story is mm -hmm. your life. So let's get into your story. So if you could just go ahead and talk to us about what was your childhood like, Malik? Yeah. So initially I was actually born in Karachi, Pakistan. And okay. at a young age, at the age of three, my family won the lottery for citizenship. So we were all super mm -hmm. lucky and blessed to come over to the States, which was every every foreigner's dream to come to this land and so mm. yeah coming to the united states and, and kind of growing up in a, a cultural environment you get a chance to meet people from different backgrounds and see how different people live and think and i was always curious at a really young age and very observant towards my environment and the people around me so mm. when I, I saw that there was more than one faith, right, more than one religion, mm -hmm. it intrigued me. I'm like, well, what's the difference? And because I was lucky to have friends from different backgrounds, I would ask them, I'm like, what do you believe? What's your faith about? And, mm. you know, when you're young, you kind of don't really know a whole lot. But what I could pick up, it seemed like here's God and here's all the different ways to know him and to reach him. and. Mm. We're all seeing it differently, but we're going to the same place. It's a different interpretation, but it's yeah. the same God. And so I, I kind of felt that, okay, I'm a Muslim and I, I can fully dedicate myself to that. And, and that's yeah. what I did as a, as a child growing up. I just, <laughs> I would always get injured. I was always playing around and jumping around. And so I would constantly be at the hospital or getting stitches and, just really was a an appreciator of life and, and what it has to offer. Hmm. Well, so let's talk. So in Karachi, you said mm -hmm. that's where you were born and raised. And how long were you there for before you moved to the States? Yeah. 
Yeah, I gotta say, you pronounced that so well. Uh, that's hey, not thank you. The case. <laughs> <laughs> so I was three years old when I moved oh, okay. from Karachi. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what what was it like growing up in a Muslim family? If you could just take us into that, and what what was that like for you? Yeah. So I would say it was very God focused. You know, growing up in Islam, God was at the the forefront of our mm-hmm. lives. We would go to a place called Jamaat Kana, which is the interpretation would be community house. Mm-hmm. And you would go every day. We didn't always go regularly, but there were times that we would go every day. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, uh, wow. it was something that we invested our entire lives into, into the teaching, into being a good person, to treating people well. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, at the same time, there are complications or resistance in living that life. Right. Things come up. And so, yeah, thankfully there's forgiveness. <laughs> right. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, I guess to elaborate on it, even though we're taught to live a certain way in, in certain environments that takes place, but behind the scenes, things look different. So, you know, in Jamaatkana, things would look a certain way where, okay, yeah, people are saying the right things, they're doing the right things, they're wearing the right things mm-hmm. and so forth. But behind closed doors, things would be different. And it's because of that inner healing that sometimes we need, but where do we go to get it? Mm-hmm. We should be going to God, but it depends on which God you're going to. That's what I kind of learned in the end. Right. So, so t- take us to Malik as a child and your faith. I mean, what was going on in your heart? What did you, or your attitudes towards God? Yeah, I really was hungry for, for God. Hmm. I would actually take things seriously when I was young and pray and, and seeking God and being regular and, and spending time with Him. And when I kind of just understood, hey, we all see God in different ways. And this is how I'm experiencing him as a Muslim. Mm-hmm. It, it just something that I could really dedicate myself to. But at the same time, I experienced a lot of rejection when I was young. I really wanted to fit in with the people around me. So even though I believed certain things or was taught to live a certain way, whenever I was in front of someone, I would mold myself completely to to be who they wanted me to be because hmm. I, I didn't want to get rejected. I wanted to feel a part of the team. Hmm. And so by doing that, I was kind of putting on a mask. Hmm. And by putting on that mask, uh, eventually it took on a life of its own. And I really lost my identity. Wow. And it just went from one adaptation to another to win people. Wow. Okay. So then your your family wins the lottery. You can come into the United States. How different was it for you once you got in the United States? I was really young when we moved. So my understanding of Pakistan and America just kind of blended all into one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what it was like, I guess. Right, three years old. So, I mean, I mean, you're right. I mean, that's a pretty young age to remember back then. Mm-hmm. So you're growing up in the United States as a Muslim. What was that experience like? Yeah, so... You know, sometimes when people would ask, what do you believe? Mm-hmm. And sharing that with them in a, a culture that's mainly Christian, I would kind of uh, be approached by evangelists, <laughs> as as maybe you could say at times, mm-hmm. where people would try to share the truth of Jesus with me. And I would always come back with, yeah, man, I, I love Jesus too. I believe in him as a prophet. Mm-hmm. And so I would say growing up as a Muslim, 
for me, I can speak for myself. I just wanted to be accepted. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to feel like even though I'm different, I'm still valued, right? Yeah, right. And yeah. so I would say for the most part in, in certain areas, it was really receptive. Yeah. You know? um, especially at a young age, I think a lot of the times faith isn't so much at the forefront, uh, even though it's there. So, yeah. yeah. But I would say, yeah, the main thing for me growing up as a Muslim, as an individual was just wanting to be accepted by my society. Mm-hmm. It was something so big to me because I never really got healing from that initial rejection I had experienced. And so I, I wanted to avoid the pain of that because I never got healing on it. So it was like a wound hmm. that was just wide open. Yeah. So as I'm going through life wearing this mask, it's kind of taking on a role of its own, losing my identity. Things are just an autopilot. I start behaving in ways that I normally wouldn't, being rebellious at times, and then consequences would come in. I was like, oh man, this kind of sucks. But I lost my dad at a young age mm. when I was about 18. Mm. And and that really shook my life up quite a bit. You know, he was our provider. Right. He took care of all the bills. My mom was a really hard worker, but she doesn't really know much about the banking system or just business strategy, but she, she's a hard mm-hmm. worker. And so my father would handle that. And so I was like, wow, what's going to happen? I felt very out of control. I, very, I felt very unstable. Mm. And so shortly after my dad passed, I took over the family business, just barely graduating high mm-hmm. school. And it was a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. And that really didn't phase me. I grew up working in the family right. business. It was a dry mm-hmm. cleaning business. So I was like, I kind of get it already. This is right, not that right. bad. And I didn't really want to go to college. So I was like, hmm. okay. But my my addiction became money at hmm. that age. It was greed because I noticed that the world responded to wealth. And if you were wealthy, people would accept you. So wanting that acceptance right. from a young age, wanting to feel like I'm in control, money is what I began to hmm. chase. And I was able to accumulate a lot of it. And I used to see my friends on the weekends and they would be doing drugs and I I would start doing drugs too and smoking weed and drinking alcohol, popping prescription pills and abusing them and trying cocaine and ecstasy. And then I see some of them are selling drugs and I'm like, wow, this is a good 401k plan. I need to get hip to this phase. <laughs> right, right. So I start selling drugs as well. And I would say six years of selling drugs, I ended up having an informant tell on me to the cops and they had so much information he let them right to my house and I must have had maybe 30 cop cars and they fully raided my house and I have gone to jail many different times this might have been like my fifth but I knew this one was serious I knew this one was severe And that's what my that's what my lawyer told me too he was like hey listen uh, you got about six charges you could probably beat five of them but this one they're gonna get you and you're gonna have to do some time and I really started to lose it mm. at that point. I didn't really have a lot of people I could talk to because I always kept things right, to myself. Right. Yeah, yeah. The more I would open up to people, the more power they would have mm. over me. I think people may have overstepped their trust with me in the past. And so just grew up bottling mm. things in. I was really the only one I, I felt like I could rely on. And so as I'm 
contemplating, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to go to jail 18 months? That's crazy. I never saw my life going down that direction. And then the real me, the real Malik that was shut off so long ago, began to surface and was like, hey, what's going on? What did you do? Where is life going? And all I could think of was writing out a will. I had a lot of wealth at that time. And I was like, I, I want to distribute this. And all I can think about doing is mm-hmm. taking my life. I just kept believing the lies that there was mm-hmm. no tomorrow, that I can't come back from this, that I'm unworthy. I messed it up. I'm, I'm a loser. All these lies. And yeah, so much fear, anxiety, and depression. So when I went to go take a gun to shoot myself, before the gun made it to my forehead, hmm. fired early, and I didn't pull Whoa. the trigger. Wow. And so, when, yeah, when that happened, I, I, I just woke up. I, was, I came into this place of shock and awareness, and, and I remember hearing, it's not wow. the end. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's not the end. And I thought that that was myself Whoa. talking to me. So I put the gun down, and... Yeah, yeah. I ended up going to jail, serving my time. and But I could remember my first night in jail. It was so intense, mm. Ryan. I had been there before, but my mind was just racing. I was looking at every little detail. I was being so judgmental of each person I was looking at. And uh, I was like, man, this is going to be crazy. These people are worthless. You know, there's so much anger here, mm. violence here, just obscene conversation. And after having that moment of just, yeah, my mind being in torment, I have this one guy come up to me that first night and he seemed totally different from everyone else. Not in appearance, but Hmm. but the peace he carried. And he came up to me and he spoke to me. He's like, Malik, you see these people here? The only reason they're acting like this is because they've been hurt. They've been abused. All they know is chaos. and it's so simple what he shared, but I just mm. felt so much peace as he shared that. And I had a perspective shift and I was able to realign myself and, and continue to just do my time there. And I got off my high horse of judging people and was like, mm. I'm here too. Right. Let's make right. the most of this. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What a wild uh, experience. I can't even imagine what that must've been like for you. So talk to me about your faith at this point, I mean, what's your perspective of God? What are you thinking? Are you even aware of God? Uh, yeah, I would say in that season, my reliance on God really grew on a deeper level of Allah. And I grew up as an Ismaili Muslim. So as an Ismaili Muslim, they believe that there is a living prophet that is connected to the bloodline of Prophet Muhammad. So he would kind of Uh, interpret the Quran for today's age and time. And so there's a book that he wrote with many of his interpretations and Mm -hmm. and just teachings. And I would read Mm -hmm. that regularly. And just being connected with with Allah, with God at that time, I really had nothing and anyone else to to rely on. And so, yeah, yeah. Saying my daily prayers and, and things like that just allowed me to yeah, find the right, peace right. in the chaos. And I would say after I got out of jail, I really was going to just commit myself mm-hmm. to personal development, to transforming my life. 
I was mm-hmm. drug free for a while now. And so I, I decided to get inner healing from my wounds from the past. And so I started reaching uh, to a lot of the, the knowledge and the mm-hmm. wisdom of the world. Because in Islam, especially the form of Islam that I grew up in, it didn't really focus much on like the issues of the heart reflecting on one's life and, and seeing what we need to bring to God for healing. There were still really good teachings there, but the deeper stuff, I didn't really find it. So I started to reach out to the world's wisdom and I was reading books on inner healing and the law of attraction and, and the universe and listening to motivational speakers like Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins and Les Brown. You name it, whatever was in the world, I was bringing it to my life. My life was changing and transforming and I was beginning to, to manifest the life I really wanted to create, right? Things were coming to me. I felt empowered and encouraged, but what it really seemed like was I had this huge wound that needed surgery and mm-hmm. I was just putting band-aids on it and I was putting that ointment on it and it was working. But then I would, when the trigger would be hit, like rejection, right? Boom, mm-hmm. the band-aids would rip off and then I would yeah. be in that deep, dark place again. But I would just apply that wisdom again, try harder, try harder, and I would pick myself back up. Mm. But I always kept an open mind with uh, just faith and accepting other people's faith and respecting their understandings. So I I got invited to visit a non-denominational Christian church by mm. this woman that I was dating. and. I was thinking, hey, I'm going to win some brownie points <laughs> if I go with her. I, I was truly open. <laughs> I was truly <laughs> open to, <laughs> to be honest. So I, and I was truly open to experience it. So, you know, I always felt a sense of peace because what I felt as peace felt that way because I didn't know there was something greater there. And when I went to that non-denominational Christian church, I got a revelation of, of a deeper peace. And I couldn't really understand why it was that way. And I just felt this connection, this draw towards Jesus. And it really left me confused because I was like, he's a prophet. You know, they see him as the son of God, as God who came in the flesh. I'm like, this is a lie. But when they're talking mm. about this lie that I I thought at that time, why did I feel that way? And uh, I kind of just denied it. I was like, maybe I really was experiencing my God, Allah, at that time while I was there. And yeah, but I kept visiting and and Hmm. those encounters kept happening. Hmm. And I was like, what is going on? (laughs) And shortly after, I would say a year, I would like peekaboo with Jesus. But then God introduces me to a new friend and he's also a pastor. And so we start hanging out and, you know, he's sharing different, you know, stories with me. And I have a lot of questions about the faith and he's explaining things with these fancy analogies that seem to make sense for like 30 seconds. And then I'm like, Hmm. man, that, that doesn't make any sense. That's crap. But what I could hold on to, that presence I felt when I encountered him, that was real. And, and not saying that my friend who was a pastor wasn't sharing things of wisdom and truth. But even in the Bible, in the book of Mark, it talks about 
until one turns, right, and repents, they truly can't understand the things of the kingdom. Mm. And, and I'm paraphrasing some of this, but that's exactly what I was experiencing. Mm. None of that stuff made sense to me that would stick. Mm. It made sense for a moment. But when I encountered right. it wow. in his presence, his peace, that was something wow. different. And um, yeah, I remember, I remember when I was at a Resurrection Sunday service in 2019, during the service, during worship and the message, I just kept hearing this whisper, I am, I am. And, and as I was hearing that, I was like, wow, I don't know what it means to follow Jesus. Hmm. I, I don't know what it means, but I know that what I feel here on Sundays hmm. that I want to feel all the time. Wow. And that's when I decided to give my life to Jesus. And, and yeah. Wow. <laughs> I love what you said about, you know, you've had these people and they're saying things and they've got all the, their analogies and, and, and maybe along the way they, they helped you, but ultimately it was the presence of God that drew you. It was the presence. Yeah. So that's so true, Ryan, when, when you had mentioned his presence. And I know the Bible talks about the Father is drawing all people to himself. And so as many times as I could recall people sharing Jesus with me while I was growing up and it just, it all made a difference. It, it was valuable, right? You know, but his presence, that's what drew me in. And, you know, when I gave my life to Jesus, I was encouraged by my friend who was a pastor at that church. I got saved at the Living Water Vineyard Church in downtown Alpharetta in Georgia. He he encouraged me. He's like, ask the Lord to connect all the dots of when he was pursuing you. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm going to do that. <laughs> and when I did that, Jesus had shown me when he came to reveal himself to me that time when I took that gun when I felt like there was no tomorrow, when I just, I couldn't live mm. life anymore and I was going to kill myself. He's the mm. one who came to save me. He said that misfire, that was me saving you from yourself, Malik. And mm. it just shook me. I was like, what? Wow. And the love that he would be there mm. for me, even when I didn't know him, that he's in all of our lives, even as even when we don't know him, we might be following a different faith, believing in, in other understandings, but mm. he's always with us, always pursuing us. And um, the, the other time where Jesus came to reveal himself to me was that first night in jail when I was just going through immense torment in my mind. I felt like I was in hell. And then this person came up to me, totally different. The Lord Jesus told me that he had brought me an angel to come with mm. me. And I was like, right. wow, he didn't look like right. an angel. I was like, he looked like a normal man. But then that there's a verse, I believe it's in the book of Hebrews, where it talks about careful of the company that yeah. you're entertaining for you might be entertaining an angel. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, that's so good. <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. So Malik, talk to us about the moment that you received Jesus as Lord. Yeah, during that Resurrection Sunday service and hearing, I am, I am, I am. I I told my pastor, my friend at that time, I was like, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus today. And I remember him saying, okay, 
yeah, hold on to that. Sit, sit on that. And I was confused. I was like, what? I was like, is this how they do things here? Because I'm new to all this. So I was like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to make sure that feels right. But I gave my life to Jesus that mm. day. I, I couldn't think about anything else but Jesus. So the next week I come to the church and I'm talking to my friend. I'm like, I'm still going to give my life to Jesus. When do we do this? And uh, that's when I did it. But for me, it was that Sunday. <laughs> it was just this posture of mm. my heart of just knowing how much I needed him, of knowing mm. how how much, mm. how loved I am because of him. Something I've never felt before, but even even the next week when I said the prayer, it was it was something I still was learning mm-hmm. and understanding. What does it mean to follow Jesus, right? And and so it was more than just being forgiven of my sins. That's that's what Jesus was showing me. Mm-hmm. It was that I'm now a son. I'm now receiving my kingdom inheritance to have dominion and authority and rule over the earth to to restore it back to its heavenly state through my life and to be a blessing to my community, to my brothers and sisters, and to be molded into his image. So it was just so much. And, you know, I had a lot of questions about the Bible because... It, a lot of it just didn't make sense to me. I was so excited to read it. I truly was and am. But I was right. like, these are cool stories because right. yeah. God wrote this, but I don't understand it. <laughs> so I would go to my friend, my pastor at that time, and I was like, what does this mean? You know? And he was like, well, did you ask God? And I'm like, I thought I was supposed to ask you, man. You're the, you're the pastor. You studied this stuff. You should know. He's like, yeah. But he, he reshared the gospel with me. And he was like, Malik, when Jesus came, he ripped Mm. the veil. When he resurrected, there's no more holy of holies now, right? He lives in all of us. We all have that direct access, that oneness with the Father Mm. God in heaven, where we can hear his voice and the different ways he speaks. And I was like, man, this is really true. I was like, I'll try it out. I mean, I was being like a child. (laughs) And it was just so amazing learning who I am in him. And and just just this connection, this oneness, this depth of a relationship that I had been invited into, not religion, what I had experienced my right. whole life. Right. That's so good. So so after you accept Christ, I mean, as far as you personally, did you feel like there was noticeable change? I did. I felt like I had so much more peace and joy. And love, I I was starting to feel loved by God, which I didn't really feel ever before. And it was like this tangible presence, like when you're in love with someone and you feel it in your heart. I mean, wow, even talking about it now, I I feel it. And and it's beautiful that every child of God experiences that. It was totally organic to me. I knew Allah loved me. I never experienced Mm. it, though. And so, yeah, feeling loved by Jesus. Wow. Wow. And yeah, the the Holy Spirit began kind of convicting me of of the way I was living certain parts of my life. Like I was still smoking weed for Mm. breakfast, for lunch, for dinner, you know, still watching Mm. pornography and still drinking and things like that. And and the Holy Spirit would Mm. bring that conviction. And I was like, well... I love you, Jesus, but can't I still hmm. do these things right, too? Right, right. Kind of thing. Right, Can I have right. the best of both? 
And yeah, that's when the Lord was telling me, Malik, you're hurt. But if you'll allow me to, if you'll mm. choose to trust me, I'll make you whole. Wow. I'll set you free. And I was like, wow. I really didn't feel like, like I needed to be free from anything because I, I just I felt right. like I was living right. a good life. But I tried to push that conviction away. Mm-hmm. Like, coming mm-hmm. back. <laughs> And I was like, man, I think I think the Lord is right. There's got to be something here. He, yes. He's trustworthy, you know. He's been good to me this little bit of time I've known him. And I was like, well, I was still vaping nicotine at that time. And so I was like, Lord, will you help me defeat this nicotine? And And that will help boost my faith to trust you with the weed. And he met me in that place. He was like, let's do that. And right when I was in my heart, coming from a place of obedience, like, yes, I'm going to choose to stop smoking nicotine. I heard this commercial come on my phone about not smoking. Wow. Man, this is definitely God who's in this, you know. (laughs) And uh, he took the power of nicotine Mm. over me away in 20 seconds. Like, it was just gone. The, The temptations were still there. Even though the desire was gone, but every time I had that emotion, that thought of temptation, I just went back to him and I was like, God, release strength over me. I want to follow you in this purity. Every time I would mm-hmm. feel this boldness get released upon me and, and, and being able to move forward. But I was also in community, in discipleship. And and I think those are areas that when we when we're walking that walk with Jesus, in 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 fullness, wow! I mean, there's really nothing that can stand against you yeah. because He is in you. And so, yeah, that was that was beautiful. And this is so wild. When I put that vape down, when I was like, "Yes, I'm gonna follow you, God. I'm not gonna vape anymore." I put it down in my bathroom. I went to go take a shower, and when I came back out, <laughs> the vape was gone. I was like, where did it go? He said he would help you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, why not? <laughs> why not? If he can split the sea, he can uh, take care of a vape. You know what I'm saying? That's awesome. Wow. Man, so that's so good. So true. So so you're changing. You know, God's getting a hold of your heart, and and you're getting this momentum of having a relationship with Jesus. And he, and so the, obviously the heart is getting healed and now you're outside. Mm-hmm. The way that you are appearing to people is starting to change. What was the reaction to all these people who knew Malik before? And especially, you know, your family, your mother growing up in a, a Muslim household. What, what did they have to say about that? Wow. Awesome question. Yeah. So when I initially shared it with my mother, she was like, okay, you're following God. Mm-hmm. Just don't tell anyone that you're following Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, oh, mom. People are going to know. And, you know, I was so on fire for Jesus. I still am where I was like, I'm going to tell the world, you know, (laughs) Jesus is awesome. Yeah. Even though it felt maybe confusing to her, she was very accepting. She even had a conversation with some of the leaders at at the Jamaat Kana, and they were encouraging her too to say, yeah, he's he's following God. So just continue to encourage him to follow God. Wow. Yeah. She asked me if I had any questions, if I wanted to talk to them about anything. And I said, no, I'm good. I'm I'm very clear. And so it was nice to, even though she didn't want me to share it with people, she respected my choice. And I so value that. Wow. And yeah, with my other sister, 
she is married to a Christian. So her response was, hey, yeah, you're following God. That's great. With my younger mm -hmm. brother, I think that there might have been some, some curiosity, but it wasn't really voiced to me. But with my other sister and my brother-in-law, I think that there was a lot of confusion when I initially shared it with them. So mm -hmm. when I went to visit them, I wanted to ask my sister, I was like, do you have any questions? And so I waited to the last day. And before I was leaving, I was like, hey, so are you curious about the decision I made? And then she was like, okay, yeah, tell me how, what led to this. Yeah. And what I got in return was acceptance, but also, you know, she felt like I had betrayed the faith of, mm -hmm. because of leaving Islam voicing hey that's kind of like betrayal but we had an open conversation about it and that's really what the lord put on my heart he's like create have an open conversation accept what she's going to share and 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 let there be an opportunity for you to share your heart back still share the love of jesus right and the lord was encouraging me yeah yeah thank you so much for sharing sharing that so malik i mean we've heard We've heard just how you just started to change so much and experience the relationship with Jesus. But for, for you, was there anything else? I mean, how did you know that you have definitely found the truth? Yeah, it's, it's something that I never had experienced before. And it just keeps getting deeper, this relationship of being one with God. I mean, he freed me from nicotine, from weed, from pornography just totally lifted and the way I would see myself and the way I would see people, the healing in my heart that I've always desired to just feel accepted. Mm. Now, because I'm accepted by him, I'm not looking for it from other people. Wow. And because I'm loved <clears throat> from him, I can love other people, whether I receive it back or where I don't. And I'm not saying I, I never get hurt by it. I do get hurt, but I can still choose to love and to bless because I'm living from his overflow. I've never experienced that before. And that's just beautiful. That's, that's available to all of us. Mm -hmm. And after following Jesus and how he's restored my life and how he's blessed the things that I've put my hands to, like my business and just ministry, I'm just so grateful because I've never had that guidance before mm -hmm. on, on how to navigate through life that he's with me in every step, in every direction. Wow. And uh, I mean, I've seen so many miracles that Jesus has done in my life and in the lives of other people. I've seen dozens of people freed from all sorts of things, of addictions, of disease, of physical ailments like nerve damage and surgeries that they may have needed. So many miracles. Mm. I mean, there's just immense proof yeah. that he's out there. But yeah. We can all choose to know him right. if we just ask him to reveal himself to us or if we keep an open mind, he, he'll make it known. Man, amen. Amen. That's so good. Well, Malik, I've got one more question. Yeah. So oh. what, what would Malik now tell the Malik that night before mm -hmm. jail? Man, so many things go through my mind. I would say don't change a thing. Yeah. Don't change a thing. Just. Yeah, just keep trusting in the process. That's it. Because throughout the process, my life, what I've experienced, I'm now getting a chance to 
to share that hope with other people that are going through those dark places of jail, of addiction, of those those different areas of healing that's needed. So don't change a thing. Just trust the process. Mm. Yeah. Man, thank you so much. Malik, I just have yeah. loved having you here on 180. Your story is all amazing and just the fruit of your life now. I just especially appreciated how you were talking about, you brought it back to the whole issue of being accepted and that fear of re rejection and how perhaps maybe one of the greatest works that we've seen is that now you can find that acceptance in Jesus and not in other people. And you can love from a place of purity. It's just amazing. So man, thank you so much for being here with us. Wow, what a joy. You're so welcome. Thank you again for, yeah, making this uh, possible. Awesome. <laughs> to see what Malik is up to now, join us on Instagram. You'll find Malik's 30-second testimony. Of course, there's lots to see on our website too, with links to all this at 180podcast.com. That's O-N-E-80podcast.com. <laughs>